Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. Thanks for leaving me 20 minutes to preach on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, Before I pray, I want to put your minds to ease, because I know you won't be able to focus on anything I say if I don't. Um, Yes, I am the one that uh, loaned the church 45 grand. So just rest, rest your minds. Um. So, uh, let me pray again. Not that Travis's wasn't sufficient, but um, let me pray after that. God, thank you, Lord, uh, that what we do with our money is spiritual, Lord. Um, it matters to you, Lord. It's, it uh, affects our faith and reflects our faith, God. And uh, we thank you for the, the chance that we're going to have uh, to move soon as a church Lord, and we, we do lift you up. We want to continue uh, from start to finish to lift you up as great among us, Lord. So I pray you'd anoint your word and uh, pierce our hearts with it, God. Separate the joints and the marrow and cut right through us, Lord, with, uh, with your word. We, we lean on you, Holy Spirit. Amen. So the plan for this month, as you know, our, these six months we've been talking about following Jesus into things like love, worship. Last month we talked about following Jesus into submission. This month we're following Jesus into service, which is closely connected to submission. T- today we're going to talk about Jesus the, as um, the picture of a servant. Um, we want all that we do to be um, through Jesus, for Jesus, serving him, serving like him. Um, next week we're going to talk about stewardship um, because stewardship is essentially a, an issue about service, what you do, uh, how you manage what God has given you, your time, your money, your talent, all that good stuff. We're going to talk about that next week. And then the last weeks of the month, we'll talk about uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit to the church that God has given the church to serve the church for us to serve others with. Um, so we're going to talk about um, the Holy Spirit because essentially service, Christian service is spirit-filled. Um, Stephen the martyr uh, was a deacon in the church feeding widows, and he was full of the Holy Spirit, performed miracles, uh, died a martyr's death. And so we can't separate spirit-filled ministry from regular, boring, ordinary kind of ministry. Setting up uh, the mics, handing out bulletins, preparing food for somebody is a spirit-filled ministry, or it should, it should be if it isn't. So we're talking about service, and my hope today really is to look uh, at Jesus, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to each of us. I don't have amazing quotes from, uh, you know, brilliant scholars, though I wish I did. I don't have incredible insight on this topic. Just the idea of Jesus as a servant is so absurd that I hope the absurdity of that 
pierces our hearts. It causes us to follow him with greater sobriety, with greater passion, with greater zeal. Um, because the idea of Jesus as a servant, as we're going to see, is pretty uh, profound and ridiculous. So um, my hope is that he'd be lifted up in our midst so that we would be changed. I'm going to read out of Philippians 2, if you want to turn there. That's where we're going to spend most of our time. Philippians 2, starting in the first verse, going through 16, so hang on tight. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only, uh, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be uh, blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among, you, among whom you shine as lights in the world holding fast to the word of life. As Philippians does here, we lift Jesus up as the one that we serve and the one who we serve like. Uh, um, as we just read, he took the, the very nature or the form of a servant uh, while here on earth, which sounds like no big deal. We, I know plenty of service-minded folks, plenty of people who are uh, willing to serve and help without questioning. So what's the big deal for Jesus uh, to take the form of a servant? In fact, today, you know, service is pretty, you know, or social justice is pretty hip to us. It's cool to be a servant. Um, but I guarantee you Jesus wasn't buying shoes so that a poor kid could get a pair of shoes. That wasn't his idea of service. Not that that's not service, but our mind, what we think of service and helping, um, I'd own a pair of Toms, so I don't, I'm not a hypocrite. Um, um, but what we think of service essentially isn't, that's not what makes us so incredible about Jesus, that he took the, he took the nature of a servant. And so in, or, in order to really grasp that, we have to understand who he was. John 1 starts off, John's gospel starts off, it says, don't turn there, just trust me on this, I promise. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ, who John here refers to as the Word, 
before taking on this nature of a servant, before uh, this revelation that Paul has of him uh, as a servant, before he did all that, he existed in perfect oneness with God in eternity. Before the earth's foundations were laid, before you and I ever existed, he existed. He is perfect. He doesn't need anything. That, that is where Jesus was b- before we see him here as a servant. He existed in perfect unity with God. And then John goes on to say, And the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus um, is given as God's Son, God's only Son, from perfect unity with God. He's given to the earth, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, and he makes his entrance on humanity. He now exists fully human while retaining his fully godness. It's, it's completely profound. I don't ever expect to comprehend it all or understand it all, but it's the truth. And this this by itself is a profound miracle. Just that he came is a profound miracle. The perfect holy God of eternity steps into humanity, dressed like us, works like us, eats with us, talks like us. That God reached out to humanity is a miracle by itself. The world has never known anything like it. If Bill Gates decided today that he, for the rest of his life he was going to become a customer service rep for Microsoft, that wouldn't be as big of a gap as Jesus crossed. If President Obama sent one of his kids over to Egypt right now with all the chaos going on there for one of his daughters to live with a peasant family and grow up and go to school there, that, that wouldn't be a, a great as a, of an expanse as God crossed. Jesus stepped down from heaven into earth, and that by itself is a, a profound miracle for us. Um, you know... Uh, we, like I said, we'll never fully grasp what happened with the incarnation just with Jesus becoming human. Um, but we need to understand that giving, serving, it's, it's in God's very nature. It's in his essence. God could have existed just as one singular being up in heaven that we're uh, commanded to worship. But God, the God that we worship is triune. He exists in a trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Within God, just within God, without any of us around yet, he has a giving, serving nature. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. Jesus reveals the Father to us. The Father proclaims blessing over Jesus and sends the Holy Spirit. They constantly give and serve one another in the Trinity. We don't serve three gods. Don't misunderstand me. It's, it's again, something we can't always grasp. God existing, one God is three distinct persons that serve within himself. That's in God's very nature. So Jesus coming to earth is within God's very nature. Now, we, are the, the, we benefit from his nature, but before any of us were ever around, he served and gave. That was, that's a part of who God is, and that's why when Jesus came, he took the nature of a servant. So where does he go from here? Jesus gets onto the scene. He doesn't take his rightful place in a palace to rule over his subjects, as he probably could have. He does quite the opposite. He grows up. As a child, learns to walk and talk and learns a trade, trains to be a rabbi in a, some small town, virtually undetected for 30 years. Longer than my lifetime, Jesus lived on earth, fully God, virtually undetected. 
And when he finally begins his public ministry, he starts to do all these wonderful things for people. He serves people by healing them. He serves people by teaching in the scriptures. He serves people by raising their dead. What perfect love that we see existing in Jesus here on earth. Mark 10 says, Jesus says in Mark 10 that the Son of Man didn't come to, ser- to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is what he understood that his purpose was here, here to serve, to give himself. And as we see from Philippians, he humbled himself. He didn't consider his equality with God something that should keep him from touching other people, touching the pain in other people. And in this light, I, I can't help but think how pitiful my excuses are to not humble myself, to not serve. Our world promotes upward mobility. Get smarter, go to the best college, get a good job, climb the ladder, get more money. That's what we all want for our kids. That's what our world applauds. You are successful if you proceed upward. Jesus embraced a downward mobility, get poorer, get dirtier, serve more. I'm going down. Just like I said, him coming from heaven to earth was enough of a gap. We could have done with just that. But when he gets to earth, he goes lower. He goes to the lowest of the low. And we don't see this until... um, really the end of his life. It wasn't enough for him to come to this hellhole. He wants to go to the lowest place in this hellhole with us. That, it's an even greater gap that's so profound, we can't begin to understand what it means when we read, Jesus took the very nature of a servant. So at the end of his life, we see him. In John 13, I'm going to read it. Now, before the feast of Passover, this is his last night on earth, when Jesus knew that the hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The NIV says he showed them the full extent of his love. He loves them all the way here. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, what what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but it is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he had known who was to betray him. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, he resumed his place and said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. 
I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread and lifted up his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. This is how the Son of God shows his disciples the fullness, the fullness of his love. He doesn't get out of a sword to defeat their oppressors. He doesn't buy them a fancy diamond ring to make them pretty. He doesn't write them a sappy love poem to make them feel good. He shows them the full extent of his love by pulling out a towel and a basin. That is the full extent of the fullness of God, of his love for us. Fully God, fully man, fully love is a basin and a towel. Feet washing uh, was common then. Uh, The slaves in that day had the honor of washing the feet of the rich and powerful, and they girded up themselves with a towel often to do that. So when Jesus takes off his clothes and wraps a towel around his waist, he's taking the, the form of a slave. We hear servant, they see slave. That's why Peter probably reacted the way he did. Are you, you're you're going to be my slave right now. You, you, my rabbi. And he tells them that they won't understand this until later. What he's doing for them, they're not going to grasp it. And that later comes when he goes even lower, even lower than taking the form of a slave. He dies a criminal death between two uh, other criminals on a cross so that the disciples might receive their deepest cleansing yet. He's washing their feet here. He's going to wash their sins later, later that week by dying uh, the lowest death that, that we could ever imagine on earth. But here, we see Jesus, word of God eternal, his last night with the guys that he spent three years with, showing him the full extent of his love. Why does he do this for him, for them? In verse 15, in verse 15, he says, For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. He's sending them out to follow his example. Just as he humbled himself, became nothing, so too they're being sent to be his light in the world. Just like we read in Philippians, you shine as light in the world when you work alongside with God, following his his example of being a, a servant. The feet that will carry his good news all across the world, he is washing those feet before he sends them. Christian service following Jesus begins with our feet in the basin. Until you're cleansed by him, you can have no part in him. You can do all the wonderful things that you want. But until you're cleansed by him, you have no share with him. You can't earn it. The disciples couldn't wash their own feet. Christian service, following Jesus into service, begins, friends, with our feet in, his, in a basin. It begins with salvation, receiving his unmerited grace, unmerited forgiveness uh, from his death on the cross. And um, if he doesn't cleanse us like this, if we don't allow him to take care of that basic need that we have, like we see in Philippians 2, when we serve, we're not going to be serving unto him. We're going to be serving unto ourselves. Even if we're doing wonderful things for other people, ultimately we're serving ourselves until we're cleansed. But it it doesn't end there for him. He knows that uh, as we serve him, it doesn't just end with our salvation being cleansed. 
he knows that as we serve him, we're going to, and we take his good news across this world, the, the dust, the grime of this world is going to get on us. We're going to get dirty. Service gets you dirty. So we need to return to the basin daily to be washed by him. We need to, in Ephesians 5, it gives a picture of Jesus to, uh, in his church by giving an example of marriage. It says the husband washes his wife with the word. That's Jesus washing us with his word. Many, too many of us are carrying the disapproving words of other people around with us every day. Be cleansed. Too many of us are carrying those condescending words from a friend who we tried to show Jesus to and we failed. We're carrying those around to this day. Be cleansed. It's not, this isn't just about salvation. Daily, we are washed in his word over our life. His word has to be louder than all the other words that you're going to hear when you're out serving him and following him. He knows you're going to get dirty. Keep your feet in the basin. Don't pull them out like Peter wanted to. It's, it's awkward. It's embarrassing to have your feet washed by no less than the Son of God, but keep your feet in the basin. Don't think that you can go out and do it on your own, that you need to wash once a week and then you'll come back next week or wash this month and you'll be back next month. Daily, be washed. Be cleansed by him. He offers it to us. I'm, you, I mean, you, as I say that, I can imagine my own feet dirty. Maybe your feet are dirty. Maybe your feet are calloused from a long time of serving the Lord. Maybe it's sin. I don't know what it is. I don't know what your feet look like, but the basin of Christ can wash it. I'm, I'm confident of that. He can wash your feet so that you can continue to follow him and have what you need to do that. But as we see from him, this isn't all about just our cleansing. He tells us we're to go and do likewise. He's given us an example We were cleansed to be lights in the world, to shine for him. You were cleansed. You were forgiven, not so that you could feel more spiritual or better than your heathen friends. You were cleansed to be a light. You were served in order to serve. You were blessed in order to be a blessing. You were loved in order to love. That's how this thing works in the kingdom. And he says in verse 17 that if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The blessing doesn't come in just the knowledge of service or knowing Jesus or uh, having an idea what good things we should do. That's not where the blessing comes. He says, blessed are you if you do them. It's not enough, disciples, for you to know that I washed your feet and know that it's a good thing to have your feet washed. You need to do it likewise to each other. Wash each other's feet. Serve. At Radiant Church, we are going to serve, not to, to earn something, but to prove our faith. We serve to prove and put God on display, not in order to win his favor or make us holy. He's already made us holy. The disciples didn't go to the ends of the earth with the gospel because they had washed their own feet. They went to the ends of the earth with his good news because he had cleansed them. And in the same way, when we serve, whether we're do, doing something mundane or wonderful, when we serve for him, we're doing it to prove our faith. Um, if these home groups, worship songs, our Bible studies, if they're not accompanying, accompanied with tangible foot-washing service, it's dead. James, the book of James is blunt to say that um, faith without works is dead, plain and simple. These wonderful things that we're doing are great. 
but without works to prove them, to display them, it's dead. It's lifeless. We're being sent as God's representatives in our city. And Jesus says, whoever receives you, receives me. Whoever receives me, receives God. He's connecting us uh, with he and the Father, saying, whoever receives you will receive the Father. So go serve in my name. That's why we want to serve in his name and lift him up. We want to decrease while he increases. Because the point is for folks to receive him. And realize this, um, Jesus didn't serve for one week on a mission trip. He didn't serve during the summer when he had more time. He did, washing his disciples' feet was not his act of kindness for the day. He took the nature of a servant, the posture of a servant. He didn't pretend to be a servant. He became one. Are you serving in all places, at all times, around all people, just as he did? Am I serving at all times, in all places, around all people? That's the nature of a servant. A slave doesn't stop being a slave at 5 o'clock to go home to his family. A slave is a slave. And when we read bond, uh, servant here, it's bond servant or slave. It's different than we think American slavery, of course. But nonetheless, you are bound forever to that person whom you're serving. And that is why we serve. The greatest became the least among us. And in response, we can get off our little thrones, our little control of our life, our little lordship and uh, control of what we have. We can step down from those because he stepped down from the greatest throne. Not just to become great on earth, but to become despised on earth. I doubt that any of us are going to die a martyr's death or be despised on the earth. I bet that most people generally like you. Jesus came not to earth to be generally liked. He was despised and rejected, crushed for us. So how can we stay on our little thrones any longer and not humble ourselves or limit our service to certain times of the day around certain people? And don't misunderstand me here. Jesus, he isn't the weak one of the Trinity. He's not the, the sissy. He served in meekness. Meekness is power restrained. Jesus is powerful. We see at the end of this story, he comes back with eyes of fire and a sword coming out of his mouth to open up a can on all the people who went against him. We know, we know he's strong. And he didn't cease to be strong here by getting naked and washing his disciples' feet. He didn't cease to be powerful. You need to hear that. He restrained his power. He became meek. And in the same, we serve the meek one, not the weak one. And when we take a position as a servant, it is a strong position because we take it with Jesus. Because as, like I said, as we decrease, as we get lower, he increases, he gets greater. That is a, that's the strongest place you can be in your life. When God is magnified, when he's lifted up, when he's the greatest thing about your life, that's the strongest place. Yes, service is vulnerable, it's tough, and it gets you dirty, but it is not weakness. God's inviting you into his strength, and this is how, what strength is in his kingdom. And remember, um, Jesus washed Judas' feet. He knew that Judas was going to betray him, and he didn't skip him. He cleansed him still. 
We're not just called to serve who we're comfortable serving or who looks like us or people who like us. We serve, we serve, we serve, even to the point of serving our enemies. There's something in that. There's something that Jesus knows about when we get lower and we serve those. Something opens up when we do that. Um, we're going to end our time with some communion. Um, Monica, if you could come get on the piano, that'd be beautiful. I have a couple of challenges for us this week. One challenge, read the book of Philippians in one sitting. It'll take 10 minutes. I hope you have 10 minutes in your week to read. Read the book of Philippians in one sitting. This is a church that served. They helped Paul out when he was in prison. Read what, what the Lord speaks to us about service. Jesus is at the center of that, lifted high and lifted up. He took the f- true nature of a servant. Read Philippians this week. My second challenge is to wash someone's feet. Literally and figuratively, wash someone's feet. Husbands, I'll do the job for you. You're going to wash your wife's feet. Literally, wash her feet. I mean, her feet are probably pretty and pedicured. This isn't a bad assignment. Um, Wash her feet. Lovingly take the place of a servant because that's what you are. That's your role as a husband. If you're not married, maybe wash your parents' feet or a friend's feet. If you're unmarried, I, please don't follow Jesus' example all the way. Leave your clothes on and, you know, <laughs> keep it appropriate. Lights bright, all that good stuff. This isn't a challenge to, you know. I want, I want us to take a literal position of a servant. Foot, foot washing isn't common in our day. It's odd. We, don't, we wash our own feet. We don't go to a public bath and have a slave wash our feet. It's odd. But the nature of it, the example of it, there is something powerful. But realize this. It's just a symbol. You are just committing in that moment to serve that person. It goes on from there. So wash your wife's feet and then go wash her car. Not by taking it through the drive through but, you know, Washing it yourself, detailing, all that good stuff. So literally and figuratively, I'm challenging you this week to serve somebody. Wash their feet. Um, a couple of ways you can respond today. Like I said, uh, the, the table's prepared for communion. Be cleansed today. If you've yet to, to, to put your trust in Jesus as the Lord, the chief, the, the, the primary of your life, if you've yet to submit to him and receive his salvation, today is your day. Let this communion be your first act of, of receiving God's salvation. It's simple. Lord, I surrender. I give up. I'm done. I'm coming off my throne, and I'm putting you on the throne over my life. For the rest of us who are walking with Jesus, know him, be cleansed today at the table. Be washed again. If you're carrying disappointment, shame, if you're carrying uh, disapproving words from people, let his word wash you once and for all today. And then come back tomorrow and get washed again and get washed again. Because if you're serving, you will get dirty. 
That's okay. And he tells us how, what we're to do with that. Keep your feet in the basin. And as we take communion, we remember that it was on the night that he was betrayed, his last night on earth, that he took bread, he took the cup, he gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body. This is my blood. Eat this, drink this in remembrance of me. On the night he was betrayed, on the night he washed their feet. So let's commune with him. Because when we do, we remember the cross. We remember that his body was broken. His blood was poured out for us, not because we did anything uh, to earn it, but because he came down to love us. We, we remember as we take communion, the cross. And at that cross, we're sent. We're commissioned to go. Go, 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 go to the ends of the earth with my great and wonderful news and see him lifted up, not us, not us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your cleansing. We thank you for the the cross, your blood that was spilled for us, Lord, that washes us. We receive, Father, your forgiveness, your cleansing. For those of us who have yet to do that, Lord, we, we open up our hearts to receive your salvation. And for the others, Lord, as we partake in communion, I pray, Lord, there be a cleansing deep within our soul that we'd receive your cleansing word over our life. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now go back. Well done, good and faithful servant. We thank you, Lord, for unmerited grace. We thank you that we are invited to serve like you, serve with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The table's prepared. Feel free to uh, come and take communion. Worship. If you need prayer, grab somebody to pray with. And bless you. Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantvicelia.com. Until next time.